Kura, this program is brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Wellington Access Radio, make your voice heard. Good morning all and welcome to Alcoholics Anonymous meeting on air. My name is Dan, I'm an alcoholic and your, your chairperson for today's meeting. Yeah. Hi, everyone. <laughs> okay, so um, what we're going to do is we'll, we'll start the meeting as we always do with the serenity prayer. So if I could ask you to all join me. God, God grant, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. All right, I'll read the AA preamble now. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other, that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through, through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution. Does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. Yeah, it's great to be back in the studio this morning. We have the Miramar group in today, and so that's a meeting that's in Miramar here in Wellington, and it's 6 p.m. on a Sunday evening. And what they normally do at that meeting is start with the AA, the, uh, AA Daily Reflections. So Angela, if I can ask you to read the Daily Reflections for us, thanks. Thank you. Um, my name's Angela. I'm an alcoholic. Angela. Uh, so we have today, and feel free to hear this in gender-neutral way if you'd like to, because it's all written in the 1950s, we remember. But it starts... This is the step that separates the men from the boys. The difference between the boys and the men is, is the difference between striving for a self-determined objective and for the perfect objective, which is of God. It's suggested that we ought to become entirely willing to aim toward perfection. The moment we say, no, never, our minds close against the grace of God. This is the exact point at which we abandon limited objectives and move toward God's will for us. And that's from um, the 12 and 12 um, pages 63, 68 and 69. Uh, continuing the reading. Um, am I entirely ready to have God remove these defects of character? Do I know at long last that I cannot save myself? I've come to believe that I cannot... If I'm unable, if my best intentions go wrong, if my desires are selfishly motivated, and if my knowledge and will are limited, then I am ready to embrace God's will for my life. Hmm. Is... Thanks, Angela. Okay, so um, um, what we'll do is we'll just go around and, and um, do some sharing now. So <laughs> would you like to carry on, Angela, and share? <laughs> Since I to try, to, <laughs> yeah. try to start a little bit. Thank you, Dan. Um, so, gosh, that's a brilliant reading. I had a, I did have a sponsor that used to say, so I think this is step seven. It might be step six, but I think it's step seven, um, where this is in the 12 and 12. And I had a sponsor that was really fond of 
this this little bit that says this separates the men from the boys um, because it really is referring to, you know, am I entirely ready, you know, to hand my will and my life over to God? And for me, um, that has been piecemeal. I think that um, in the very beginning, I kind of didn't get it. And um, I remember when I was a newcomer, talking to my sponsor after the meeting and I was saying, I'm just going to meet an old friend and I haven't told her about AA and I don't know what to do and, um, you know, and just really obsessing about myself. And um, we had just done step two and we had just read the step three, we'd just done step three, yeah. And she said, um, well, it's just about showing up. That's it. And, you know, the simplicity of that was so far away from all the um, stuff rushing through my mind. Um, and, you know, this was just a coffee with an old friend who'd just been travelling. You know, it hadn't occurred to me that she'd want to tell me about her travels. I was just very, very anxious and going round and round in my mind, I guess, about what would she think of me and that this AA thing was a huge big deal, you know. And um, I think turned up and had a lovely time and it was a piece of cake and I didn't even mention that um, I had started going to AA. I listened to her talk about her travels and it was lovely. Um, and then I, I, that was the beginning of my starting to get a bit of traction on what step three was in that um, I actually can't predict the future and I actually can't control it um, no matter what I try to do and that really it is just about showing up you know or if it's a job interview preparing and showing up and then you know the rest is up to God um, and of course over my sobriety journey I've taken my will back many many times and sometimes for long periods of time and it's just been like a growing up experience really being able to eventually feel the pain of the place I'm in in my mind and trying to control things and then um, with the help of, of AA meetings and the literature and usually for me you know sharing with another person um, I will come to see the headspace I've gotten myself into and come to let go and just as I'm talking I can really remember stages of my life where I've gotten into pain and um, and I've kind of faced that battle. And I remember at one point actually on my, being on my knees in my bedroom and, um, and thinking, oh, I've got to hand my whole life over to God. <laughs> That's what it means. And I, I mean, I was at least 15 years sober at this point. Uh, and well, I hadn't been able to think straight for a good few years before that, running around after small children. But um, I was like, yeah, yeah. It's not like coming up with an issue and rubbing against it and then eventually kind of handing that over and accepting that actually I don't know what's going to happen but uh, or I can't control it. But um, it's actually handing my whole life over, you know. And that was another whole thing to get my head around. Um, and on a good day, I'll really remember that. Um, and the relief, you know, from that, that comes um, from knowing that, you know, I'm just here to um, put one foot in front of the other, 
um, to be really grateful for what I've been given, um, to be, you know, just another person on the bus like everyone else in life, you know, um, and that, you know, I'm, I'm not special and different. Um, the, the special and different thing would be an absolute revelation to my family if I told them that we're not special and different, you know, um, sort of like, you know, egos, egos on mega speed, my family, God love them, and um, coming away from all of those expectations I put on myself that this, there was only one way I should be, that I never felt I could measure up to, the quickest wit and the whatever, you know, the most expensive makeup, the biggest hair, you know, <laughs> we're talking 80s here. Um, I just, it was too difficult for me. And, you know, the gift that I've been given in AA is to, I needed permission. I needed I needed others to tell me that I'd be okay, um, that I was in the right place. I needed others to tell me that it was okay to have a God in my life, even though I haven't, hadn't grown up in a church-going family. I was just so rigid and and bossy in my own mind toward myself, you know. Um, lots of rules for myself. And um, it's such a painful way to live. And no wonder I needed to drink. Mm. You know, it was my rocket fuel for all of that. Um, and, yeah, just sitting here right now, I feel incredibly grateful that I don't have all of those pressures on me on a good day. I mean, of course I can slip into it at any moment. Um, but just coming back to the reading, you know, I think what it's really saying for me is that um, the march continues, you know, like there's no getting off place in a spiritual life, you know, that um, we, we have to do our best to remain sober, rigorously honest with ourselves and um, to you know, trudge the path to happy destiny. And, um, you know, it doesn't say skip. It says trudge. And, um, uh, you know, it's worth it. You know, I don't have to come up against roadblocks now emotionally or, you know, or in what's going on in my life in any way and think, I've got to fix it, you know, I'm wrong, I'm a fool, I'm not enough, you know. I can just um, try and practice acceptance and gratitude and know that whatever is going to happen is going to happen. The path is determined and um, to hand it over to God. So I've had to keep doing the freaking painful work, to be honest. <laughs> and um, I think going the I think going the spiritual yards and being really honest with myself, to the best of my ability at that time. Just thinking now about it, it's for my life at the moment, it's an enormous blessing. So um, I have cancer now that is not um, curable, it's just treatable. So um, I have a you know fairly uncertain future, although I've got a few clues. And um, I haven't found it impossible to deal with you know one day at a time I've actually been quite grateful um I mean that's probably going to change at some part in this journey but um I've just been really really grateful to have gotten this far and to have 
had my children and done my best to raise them and um, I can reflect on that with some gratitude. I also reflect on life some days and think, what, is that it? That was shit. You know, like I don't always have a great day with it. But on the whole, um, I'm, re- I'm really okay and I think that is because I've asked for help on the journey and I've, I've tried to stay honest with myself and... Um, and when I've, you know, needed to work through something on a spiritual level, I've, I've really, I've had to do it. I haven't found it any other way of avoiding it, perhaps without drinking, and I know that's not going to work anymore. So, um, yeah, that's, that's um, where I'm at. But um, the trudging's not so bad. I think the big message is you can do it, you know, and what... Um, um, I think, you know, there's, there's what lies beyond is so worth it, you know, when we continue the journey and we keep growing up, you know. And we're not different from every everyone else. Everyone has to do that in life. This is what we've found that works for us as alcoholics. And, um, and thank goodness, you know, it was the jigsaw piece shape that I needed. And um, I really believe that, uh, you know, this is the right thing for me. And, uh, yeah grateful today. That's me. Thank you. Thanks, Angela. <clears throat> this is Wellington Access Radio, 106.1 FM, and you're listening to Alcoholics Anonymous Meeting on Air. And if you're listening and you want to get in touch with AA, as always, we'd like to give a bit of a broadcast of our website, which is aa.org.nz. And on that site, there's a big banner straight away that says, I need help. If you click on that, it'll take you to another page that says, I need to find a meeting. And if you need to find a meeting, if you click on that again, and it brings up all the meetings in New Zealand today, on Saturday. And you can filter that to look for meetings on any day of the week and in any location within New Zealand. So that's a really good way to find a, a meeting. There's also a phone number on the website, and I'll give you that phone number now. It's 0800 Two two nine six seven five seven, and that's a number that you can call to get in touch with a sober alcoholic that's in AA. They can answer some of the questions that you might have, and perhaps give you an indication about where the meetings are or anything about the meetings that you might want to know. But if you're listening already, you've got a pretty good idea of what happens in meetings. All right, well let's um let's carry on with the sharing. So Wayne, would you like to share? Sure. Um, I'm Wayne, alcoholic. Hi, Wayne. I'd like to think we're out on the Hauraki Gulf, um, um, beaming in, uh, pipe radio, but we're not. We're in a sterile white little room um, in Wellington, and uh, that's all good. Um, yeah, so when I sat down today, um, and I kind of thought, well, um, how would I share on radio? I kind of thought to myself, well, maybe um, if I can imagine myself um, on the other end, uh, listening in, um, quite desperate, I suppose. Um, if I can imagine myself back when I was um, drinking, um, I'd be in a, um, I'd be at home with my family. Saturday morning, um, waking up, first thought is, um, how can I um, manipulate my day um, as a functional functioning alcoholic to to be able to drink and maintain that drinking through the day um, and I think about that and um, I feel tired and um, 
just thinking about it and, and, and how hard it was to um, exist as a, a father of two young girls, um, husband. Um, I was um, I was very I, I functioned quite well. I, I, I always had a nine to five job, um, you know, well paid. Uh, I suppose well respected um, in my job, um, and I was just extremely. Um, my 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 superpower was to be able to hide all of this um, drinking um, from everyone um, that I thought anyway. But um, one thing I couldn't hide obviously was my um, the the behaviour that surrounded that drinking and caused me to drink. And um, I suppose that is something that I've been um, finding hard to understand um, over the years how how to make that connection between. Um, the way um, I, I acted, the way I, I, I thought um, about myself um, and others, the world in general, and um, and why I drank um, to kind of um, calm these these thoughts. And so um, yeah, uh, so I I've been sober for four years. Um, I. First came into the rooms um, in I think my, around my early thirties, um, and um, I was down and out at that point. Um, I uh, stayed. I, I kept on coming to meetings for a year, um, and then I decided that um, meetings weren't for me. Um, <laughs> so I went out on my own. I, I felt that um, at that point that um, I. Um, the consequences of me drinking was so great. Um, it, you know, it would mean that I'd, I'd lose my my um, relationship with my wife, probably lose my kids. I thought to myself, well, you know, that consequence is huge, so um, I'm just not going to drink. <laughs> and um, it, that kept me not drinking for um, up to, I think, around about eight years. Um, but during that time, um, all of the... Um, I don't know, I suppose we call them the, the defects, but I don't really like to call them defects. They're just kind of the, the different, they're not, not a bad thing. It's um it's just the behavior, I suppose. Um, the way that I thought, my thought patterns, um, the, uh, the just the erratic um, thoughts in my head and how I always um, needed to uh, have closure on things and... Um, how I was always 100 miles per hour and um, there wasn't a lot of peace, I suppose. And um, I suppose that how we how we kind of refer to dry drunk, um, I was still um, acting like that for many, many years. And because of that, I think I, done, I did a lot of damage to my relationship with my wife um, and, yeah, just slowly chipped away at her. Um, and I didn't have peace myself. Um, I, I had no kind of um, um, spirituality in my life. I didn't really understand what that was. Um, and so uh, when it came time for me to... Um, I started getting bored and um, and just, yeah, bored in life. And um, I just decided to drink one day, um, thought it was okay, and... And from that point, it just spiraled back to where I was. And um, I was drinking um, up to, I don't know, like, I'd, I'd go to work, do well at work, um, 
as soon as I left that place, I'd be down in a bottle of wine or scrumpy. Um, yeah, I was I was a late late comer to scrumpy, um, and then I'd be down in you know I'd I'd, I'd sometimes have two bottles of wine before I got home. Um, and when I got home, I was um, super dead, really. You know, I'd um, I'd do everything that I needed to be um, doing. I'd put the kids to bed, read them stories. Sometimes I couldn't read them stories, so I couldn't see the actual letters on the page. Um, and I'd be able to hide this, but um, sad thing about it is that uh, my relationship with my wife, you know, if you can imagine me passing out at, eight to nine o'clock at night every night or um, trying to stay up so as my wife would go to bed and then I could like um, sneak in beside her and face the other way so she couldn't smell it on my breath. Um, doing that every single night um, is actually in no way that that's going to be a good relationship. So yeah, um, I was able to hide it from my children um, because they were young enough. Um, every morning I'd be hiding bottles, putting them in my bag, dumping them in um, rubbish bins and repeat every single day. So, um, and, and to the point where I just, every day I did not want to drink. I hated drinking, but I had to drink. It was this weird um, thing. And um, I, I don't, it wasn't until the end where I felt that um my body needed alcohol, else I started to um, suffer. Um, it was this weird um, routine obsession, and that's part of the whole dry drunk stuff. It's like, you know, I have to, it's in my mind, so therefore I, I have to um, um, feed that, um, that urge, that mental urge, um, even if I don't want it. And I did. I would just, yeah, I'd, I'd have to feed that. And, and I'd, I'd feel that, I'd feel this. Um, I'd feel like I was going to be really bored and frustrated that night if I didn't drink. So, you know, it got to the point where I actually, I actually wanted to be um, found out. I wanted someone to find out that I was living this other life and um, and bring me back to AA. But I knew there'd be huge consequences. So, there were huge consequences. Um, and. But when I came back to AA, at this time I was, I was really broken and, um, and I decided to uh, really try this time. Um, and it was like a light bulb going off. Um, I, I didn't see these people in the rooms as um, sad um, people that used AA to um, somehow fill the sad void in their life. You know, um, That's what I thought the first time around. But... This time I got it. I got that people would share um, these really crappy times in their life um, as a way of of just talking about their experience. And um, and I always missed missed the whole hope side of things. So now I listen to like people talking about, well, you know, this is where I was, um, in this really crappy place. And um, through AA and um, and doing these steps, um, I've been able to you know have a greater life and. Um, so I, 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 I got a sponsor. I um, started doing the steps, um, and quickly, I, the, the the desire to drink was I didn't have that desire to drink anymore. So that was great. However, I knew that I couldn't just stop there like I did last time. I just I had to keep on going because I knew there was a lot of um, deep um, underlining um, 
behaviors and thoughts that I needed to work on. And this is the great thing about AA. It's like um, it's always different people from all walks of life, um, very diverse, uh, all coming together and being able to share about their experiences around this 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 alcohol thing and and um and everyone relates and um i don't know it's 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 a program in which is not just for um you know for me it's more about um getting to know myself um and be- becoming stronger um loving myself um understanding what parts of me drag me down and drag other people down and being aware of that and uh, and um, actioning on that, and um, I've I've taken that all on board and daily. Like I, I don't think I don't feel like I practice the steps um, well. But the good thing about AA, it's not a competition. <laughs> um, the only competition is with yourself, and and um, I have never been this honest with myself and others uh, to others um, in my life. And through that, um, I've become stronger. Um, I recently, um, you know. Seems like an obvious ending to the story, but um, I recently um, separated from my wife, so we're um, we're co-parenting. Now I can step into that co-parenting situation, be on my own, live on my own, um, and now I'm strong enough to not pick up the drink because now would be a perfect time for me to um, go down that self-destructing kind of path. However, I'm able to uh, pick my daughter up from a party at 12 o'clock at night. Um, I'm able to be be present for my daughters when they're staying with me, um, listen to what's going on in their life, um, deal with any situation, um, not pass out, not wake up on Saturday morning and go, right, how can I plan my day around drinking, not hide bottles. Um, I'm not saying my life is, like, uh, amazing, you know. I'm not, I'm not like... Um, you know, nothing's really changed except now I have um, true friends. I have um, good relationships with people. I have a stronger relationship with my daughters. Um, I, I, I'm not going to say I have this amazing um, relationship with a higher power, but I, I've definitely been told by my sponsor that um, I, um, I do, <laughs> even even though I feel like I don't. Um, because that's that's me overthinking things. Um, I, I heard there's a few overthinkers in AA, um, and but um, you know, having a high, having a relationship with my higher power really is me um, being aware of um, crappy stuff in my life and crappy thinking, and being able to turn that around quickly um, and focus on what actually is real and what what matters. And um, I believe that. I'm going to have a happier life because of this. Um, and yeah, so talking to myself in that room at the moment, you know, with the radio on, um, all I can say is that, um, you know, whatever uh, you feel you think AA is, um, just get yourself along to an AA meeting. Um, and you need not have to drink again. You need not have to hide those drinks or live that kind of shitty life. Um, it's not all about God and religion and all that. It's, it's for me. I'm I'm an atheist, and I yeah, I'm still here and I'm loving it. Um, it's about having a stronger um, connection with uh, the spiritual part of your, yourself, um, and being able to uh, rock up to a radio show in the morning um, sober.
And that's pretty cool. Thank you, Dan, for letting me share. Thanks, Wayne. All right, this is Wellington Access Radio 106.1 FM, and this is Alcoholics Anonymous meeting on air. We've got the Miramar uh, group in here today, so yeah, good representation from from that from that group. And um, also, just on 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 the subject of um, social media, we um, this radio show actually has a Facebook page, and it's called AA on Air Wellington. And we we don't post on there very often, but we do welcome people sending us messages through our inbox. And so if you're listening, because we we also know that there's not just people that listen on the radio, on FM radio in Wellington, there's actually podcasts of this show, and people listen to it from all, all around the world. Another good way to, to listen to it is actually from the AA website, which is aa.org.nz, and AA meetings, on-air meetings. If you click on that, there's a long list of meetings. There's, um, a, a lot of them are done from, actually all the ones on the first page, I think, are the, the ones that are done in Wellington, and they go back to 2019. Yeah, we need to update that some more and get some 2020 ones on there and some 2021 meetings. If you're looking for more up-to-date meetings and you want to have a listen, then on the Access Radio website, which is accessradio.org.nz, I think, let me just find it. Wellington Access Radio, accessradio.org.nz is the, is the website. So from there, the latest shows are on shows and podcasts and scroll down to disability and health AA on air and from there we've got the May, April, March, February, January for this year and and even further back so that's a good way to listen to these meetings instead of live okay well let's um let's carry on with the sharing so um Victoria would you like to share thanks Dan um kia ora I'm Victoria I'm an alcoholic yeah, just on the reading, when I think about, you know, I was kind of thinking about what I would differentiate between me being a girl and being a woman. Um, for me, it's moving from an individualistic mindset and worldview into a collectivist one, you know, like like the focus isn't on me as an individual, it's on me as a part of something else, you know, and um, that's only really happened in the last 18 months, I feel. Um, my parents aren't the kind to just kind of give out compliments, you know, they're not effusive, but, um, my dad just compl- you know, just comments all the time, like once a month about like how much I've matured in the past 18 months and how I've really kind of grown up and, um, you know, my grandparents are even more kind of withholding and they say that they're proud of me and they've seen a change, um. And, you know, I've been around the rooms for six years and I had some time up, relapsed, came back. Um, and since I came back, um, yeah, I think I think the first thing when I came back was I realised what's been mentioned today about how I only had half of step one. I knew I couldn't control alcohol, but I wouldn't accept my life was unmanageable and I wouldn't hand my life over. Um, so that was the first thing that changed when I came back. And, yeah, the second thing that changed was um, completely letting go of being individualistic and focusing so much more on what was going on around me. Um, and 
it was actually so I had like six months of sulking <laughs> when I came back. Didn't do any step work. Just kind of, you know, was angry at myself and angry at the program. I was like. Oh, I was doing, you know, I've done the 12 steps more than once and I was sponsoring and I had a home group. I never stopped coming to meetings and I relapsed and it's all everyone else's fault. You know, it, and it sounds like alcoholic thinking, eh? So it's not good. Um, but after I got over it, I started um, doing the work and it was around the same time as COVID hit. And that was just like a boot camp in thinking of others. You know, like my dad has autoimmune disease, so I had to do everything for that household and I've got um, two grandparents that live near my parents so I had to do everything for them as well. Um, the job I was doing was you know like mental health with young people so my work really helped me put other people first um, and I was just doing a lot more meetings on Zoom. I was doing a lot more 12-step calls than usual so I just had a good three or four month period where um you know, I was really challenged to rise to the occasion and learn how to have a collectivist mindset, you know, and, and, and th put other people first, um, how to be considerate, you know, how to not be selfish um, and also how to not be resentful of my obligations that I took on willingly and that I love, you know. Um, so, yeah, that, that for me was just a really good way to come back in. Uh, and get the program and yeah I'd say yeah in the last 18 months I probably grew more than the previous four years in in recovery and I was just thinking about you know because um, I love this meeting because people tend to kind of share their stories from beginning to end um, and I love hearing that and I was just thinking about how grateful I am to not have my own life and it's funny today the stuff I'm not I'm not you know, my focus and gratitude about my new life, it's not really on the bad stuff, you know, the kind of stuff that gets you in or in the beginning I would think of it to make me stay sober. Like, you know, like I experienced a lot of violence um, during the time I was kind of out drinking and using. Um, you know, I would OD, my family weren't talking to me, I'd get kicked out of flats, um, fired um, from jobs, drop out of uni. I got really mentally unwell. That's not really the stuff I think about today. What I think about today is living a life where I was so unbelievably lonely. I was so insecure. I couldn't trust anyone and I couldn't be vulnerable. So I had this life that kind of optics, kind of aesthetically looked really good, but I was so miserable, you know? And, and that's the stuff I think about today, thinking about not being brave enough to do the thing I wanted to do, to study the thing I wanted to do, not being brave enough to, say, come out of the closet and date people I actually liked, <laughs> you know. So, yeah, I was just living this very plastic, sad life and um, I never needed a reason to drink. Um, but I found that drinking helped me keep up appearances, if you will, like it kept helped me keep up this um, very kind of conservative life I'd chosen that I absolutely despised. Um, and this is stuff I think about today, you know, and I think the difference is that physical sobriety, so just not drinking, will give me the first stuff, you know, it will stop me from having hangovers and putting myself in dangerous situations, but it won't get me the second bit. It will not, you know, just not drinking for me will not get me the other, a, a good life. It will stop me from having a shit life, but it won't give me a good life. The only thing that's given me a good life is working the steps with a sponsor um, attending meetings, becoming a part of something bigger than myself, 
um, finding a higher power, which, yeah, as I mentioned, it doesn't have to be religious, you know, it's spiritual. Um, and, yeah, giving giving back to others. You know, that's the stuff that's given me an amazing life, you know. And um, one thing that I always think about that actually sticks out more from my old life than the hangovers and the violence is wanting to be a good person but I couldn't figure it out. You do you know what I mean? Like I just was obsessed with this idea of I'm a good person deep down. My behavior is just shit, but you are what you do, you know? And I, but I just remember being bamboozled by how to be a good person, you know, because I was raised with a really, you know, hard out nan and great parents, great aunties and uncles, like huge close family um, who obviously had a very strong moral compass, but it's like, I just forgot how to, read the compass <laughs> um and there's been such a cool thing about um sobriety and, and the AA program is that I've I figured it out I know how to be a good person now um so I can choose choose to do that today um yeah I think I think that's it from me um but yeah it's always nice to be in the studio and it's nice to not have to be behind the decks worrying if I've turned someone's microphone off so Thanks. Thanks, Victoria. It's my worry now. <laughs> yeah, so um, Alcoholics Anonymous meeting on air. I'll have a share now to, to finish this up. So I'm Dan, I'm an alcoholic. <clears throat> and like I, I never wanted to be here, not in the studio, I mean in the rooms of AA. <laughs> like um, <coughs> I, I, got, I got into a lot of trouble drinking in my teens and I used to do stupid things. Uh, one time I... I um, took took a car from a car yard just as a test drive and I never returned it. Like I wasn't drunk at the time but I was like my brain was mixed up and yeah, I was drinking a lot at the time but I wasn't physically drunk at that moment, you know. So I of course went to court for that and, um, you know, went to court for various other things and then I got into some real big trouble and went to court for that as well. And... Yeah, didn't do so well there. Ended up getting um, incarcerated for a, for a, a period, and that was when I had my first touch with AA. And at that that point, I was doing everything I could to try and make myself look good in front of the authorities, so that they'd let me out of jail quicker. And one of those things was AA. And I remember being in the meetings and thinking, "Oh, you people are, you know, you, you guys are way worse than me." Like I'm not that bad, and at that point I was 20 years old, and I hadn't I had my had the 20th birthday inside, and so I hadn't even had a, the drinking age was 20 then. <clears throat> I hadn't even had a, a legal drink at that point. There was no way I was going to stop. But at, at the time I was, you know, paying lip service to it. Oh yes, I'm going to. When I get out, I'm going to go to meetings. I'm going to do this and that. And of course, you know, as soon as I didn't have to anymore, I didn't. And never thought much of it really, and, um, and and you know, and carried on through my through my twenties. And you know, like it's been shared, I managed to sort of, um, you know, have some semblance of a life. You know, I had um, a job, and I got married, and I bought a house, and I kept in touch with my family. But I was living a double life, you know. Like I'd go out and I would do stuff with, you know, like I would cheat on my wife. You know, I would steal things from people. You know, I would. Yeah, I, I would, yeah, I did did some things that I was really ashamed of, and I'm embarrassed about now, you know, and I, I put, you know, I hung out with people I would, I didn't really want to hang out with, and yeah, all, 
all this time I was, you know, on the face of it, I was, you know, living a really good life and everything was fine. And, um, yeah, it, it wasn't really, you know. I kept telling myself it was. But I, I didn't really want to look at it because I knew if I really analysed it, I might have to stop drinking. <laughs> and that's the last thing I wanted to do. I didn't want to end up back in these AA rooms like a loser, thinking like, oh, I've got to, I can't handle my drink, you know. It's like, I've got to stop. And so consequently, I never tried to slow down or moderate anything like that. I remember one one instance where I was out with my wife and we decided that she would drive. And we went to this place and she was a bit nervous, so she had a couple of a couple of drinks and she's, quite early on she told me, oh, look, um, I, I can't drive. And man, was I annoyed. It's like all of a sudden I had to stop drinking. And I, you know, I had a resentment about that. <laughs> I mean, I probably still do. You know? <laughs> <laughs> this was, you know, I'm, I'm no longer married to it, and this is probably, you know, 20 years ago, or you know, and I, <laughs> I still remember it. But that was me. It was just like I, I put alcohol first. Alcohol's number one, and my ability to drink f- for cheap or for free—that was my main priority. Everything else kind of maneuvered around that, and. A lot of things suffered over the years, you know, my work. I was a pretty crappy employee on a, on a on a day where I'd been drinking the night before. Often I'd turn up to work and go through the motions of working but not actually do anything. So I was stealing hours from my employer in that way. Uh, you know, I would tell people I was at a certain place when I wasn't. I would, yeah, and like I used to, yeah, I used to steal alcohol from bars and from you know like at parties and things just going around you know grabbing what I wanted and um, trying to get away with it so I basically spent my life trying to get away with things and somehow some way I had three nights out in a row and after the third night I woke up and really upset with myself and rang that 800 number that I mentioned before and staggered into the rooms of AA and I didn't know what I wanted, but I just knew I didn't want what I had anymore. Like alcohol, it did so much for me. Like I, I loved drinking so much, and it did it did things for me that I couldn't have done for myself. And but it got to the point where it was too much, and I ended up, yeah, coming into the rooms of AA, and I stuck around, and within a week or two, I been given a sponsor and I started working on the steps and you know at times I didn't really want to come to meetings but I dragged myself there here and I've kept coming and my life's great now it really is it's like things improved pretty much straight away you know although after a year me and my wife split up as well but I, ca- I carried on and didn't drink and um yeah I've just recently celebrated 10 years of sobriety you know, and I can't believe it sometimes. But yeah, like for, for me, life is great. Life is is wonderful. But like, also the work's not done. <laughs> like, it's not like I I can say, oh, well, I've I've done the steps now. I don't need to do them anymore. That's it. I'll just come to meetings and things will be fine. Yeah, those character defects keep rearing their ugly head, and I need to keep working on them and. Just those things that I had at the beginning, which was honesty, open-mindedness and willingness. I need to have those 
just as much as I did back then, if not even more now, because I feel like I've got more to lose now. You know, like if, I, and I think, well, if I did go back drinking, I don't know whether I'd come back. You know, like I'd like to think I would, but I don't know if I would. You know, it's like, and so like big ups to the people that have drunk and come back into the rooms, because um, yeah, that would be a tough thing. But for now, I'm just going to stay here. Not stay in the studio all day because yeah. they're going to kick us out soon. But um, yeah, stay in the rooms of AA. So yeah, thanks for everyone for coming in. Thanks, and yeah. Um, yeah, I'll just just reiterate the, the website as well, aa.org.nz, if you are looking to find AA. Do you, you want to join me with the serenity prayer? God, God grant me the serenity, serenity to, to accept, accept the things I cannot change. change. Courage to change the things I can. That program is brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Thanks, New Zealand On Air, for funding accessmedia.nz.